Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. Parish in Mansfield, Louisiana. I'm going to tell you the truth, Pastor. I prophesied that, and it came to pass. So what God said to me on Tuesday of this week, he said, as the reapers are in the field this year, Legacy Church will be in the fields reaping at the same time. He said there's going to be a harvest of souls and there's going to be a harvest of finance and there's going to be a harvest of bringing families back together this year as the reapers are in the field. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that? Look at somebody and say, I believe that. The Bible said, if you, you know, believe the word, you'll be established. But if you believe the word of the prophet, you'll prosper. As the reapers are in the field, Legacy Church will be in the field reaping the harvest of the Lord. How many of you need some breakthroughs in your family? You need some breakthroughs in your finance? You need some breakthroughs, you know, in your life? If you do, just claim that word for you right now. Lord, thank you that I was here this morning to hear that word, and I just claim that word right now in the name of Jesus. I lay hold of that word. Praise God. Hallelujah. You uh, turn to three people right now and tell them, God's going to bless somebody today. It just might as well be you. Come on. God's going to bless somebody. If I could have just a little bit of mic, just a little bit. You can be seated. God bless you so much. Uh, you know, uh, I got a message this morning that I want to bring to you. And uh, I'm not a long-winded preacher unless you're quiet. Now, if you're quiet, I kind of, uh, you know, just keep going over it until I feel like you've, you received it. So if you want to get out just real quick, you need to just get happy right now before I ever even start. And uh, the difference in pastors and evangelists is, is a, you know, a pastor preaches for change. I preach for response. You understand that? And so uh, if you say amen, whether you like it or not, I'm going to believe you do. And it's going to really encourage me. Uh, this, this message this morning, I'm going I'm to ask you to help me preach it. Uh, it's just two words. And it's two words that you've said and two words that you've heard people say. Uh, and I was on my way to the airport uh, in Detroit, Michigan at 3.30 in the morning uh, to fly home to get ready to go to another revival. And, and the Lord began to talk to me. And when he began to talk to me, I said these two words. I said, say what? Have you ever had the Lord just talk to you and what he was saying to you was so phenomenal that you just say, say what? Pastor called me this morning and he said, the power's off in the church. I said, say what? How many of you know how much we depend on air conditioning and lights and electronics? Our life is, you know, uh, manipulated by all that stuff. And so when he said that, I didn't say that out loud, but in my spirit I was saying, 
Say what? Would you say that with me right now? And you got to get up high. You got to say, say what? There you go. Now, if you look those two words up in the Urban Dictionary, here's what it says. Are you kidding me? Did, did I hear you correctly? Did you mean what you said? Now, you got to understand, look, I, I'm 19 years old, and I'm a heroin addict, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm the eighth of nine children. We're deep in poverty. There's not ever been a Bible in our house. There's never been, uh, you know, uh, a prayer in our house. Nobody in our house had ever been a Christian. I didn't know a Christian. I'd never been to church. There wasn't any TV preachers. I didn't know, you know, anything about the Lord. My third overdose of drugs, I end up in the hospital, and they pronounce me dead and pull the sheet up over my body, and my spirit lifts up out of my body, and I see my body laying in the bed, and I hear the doctor tell my wife and my mother, Mr. Payne has expired. And then the, they turned the lights off and left the room, and the room lit up with the presence of Jesus. And he pulled the sheet back off my body, touched me on my right foot, and said, I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to carry the gospel around the world. Say, what? Lord, you must have the wrong room. You don't know me. I'm a heroin addict. I'm an alcoholic. I've never done one good thing in my life. Never been a preacher in my family. I don't even know a preacher. And here you are coming into my room, raising me from the dead and telling me I'm going to carry the gospel around the world. Did you know that in January and February of this year, through television and crusades, I preached to 204 countries. Did you know that, that January, February, March, and April, we had 1,040,000 souls come to Jesus in those few months because Jesus said, I'm going to raise you up and you're going to carry the gospel around the world. And the reason I'm sharing that, if God is saying something unbelievable to you, look at me, look at me, look at what God has done through an old hopeless, helpless drug addict that thought he couldn't live. When I looked in the mirror, I saw a drunk. When I looked in the mirror, I saw a drug addict. I saw a sorry husband. I saw a sorry father. I, I felt so low. I, I was so broke. You know, I didn't even have a car, man. I mean, I, I just was I just was at the, you know, if I'd have died, you'd have to jack me up to bury me. That's how low I was. And Jesus comes and says, I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to carry the gospel around the world. Say, See, when he told you he's going to save that loved one that, that, that you know, it's so hard for you to believe that he could save that person. But I'm going to tell you, before God saved you, you wasn't all that in the bag of chips either. Come on. Amen. If God saved you, God can save them. If God, I'm going to tell you, if God can build a church in New York City, God can build a church in Withville, Virginia. God is the same God right here as he is all over the world. Somebody ought to touch somebody and say, God is about to do his greatest work. God is about to do his greatest work. 
So I'm going to tell you, God said when the reapers are in the field in Legacy Church, there's going to be an unscheduled revival breakout. Ain't going to be scheduled. Ain't going to be no speaker schedule. God's just going to break out, and people just going to feel led to come to church. Somebody ought to believe what I'm saying this morning. I'm prophesying. God's trying to, you mean with say what? Ain't nothing ever happened good here. I mean, you're, what you're saying we've never seen before. Well, that's the reason God wants to do it. He's about to do things. You know, uh, he, he said to me the other day, I'm trying to get to my text, but so, y'all so quiet, this is going to be a long sermon. Ain't it? And, uh, and uh, you know, the other day I was reading and I, and I saw where $31 trillion of new wealth will be released in the earth in the next 10 years. $31 trillion. Now, if, if you want me to put that in perspective, a trillion dollars is a stack of $1 bills 63 miles high. If you started a business when Jesus was on earth and you lost a million dollars a day till now, it still wouldn't be a trillion dollars. Now, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, I'm going to do this because in this last day, we're going to have to build buildings to house the people. There's not enough room and not enough churches right now to handle the harvest that's coming in. Come on, we're going to have to feed the hungry because the government's not going to be able to do that anymore. And the church is going to have to take the responsibility of the church. And so he said, I'm looking for people I can release wealth into their life so that they can do what I want them to do. And, he, and here's what he said to me, and you ought to write this down. He said, those who finance this end-time harvest will harvest this end-time finance. Those who finance this end-time harvest will harvest this end-time finance. I'm going to get mine. You don't get yours. That's your fault. I'm going to get mine. I know what I do with, with what I got for the glory of God. I will use it for the kingdom. Come on. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to my text here, and, and, and they're going to put this text in South 2 Kings, and they're going to put it on the screen, but we're not going to read all of it. I'm just going to fill in the blanks because I really don't have time. Y'all are so quiet that I, I'm going to keep y'all all afternoon if I don't just skip over some stuff. Amen. Do we have that on the on the screen yet, or do I need to go get my... There it is right there. Now, in this 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 here, there's a story, and... Uh, and Elisha, at that time, was just as hated as, as President Trump is today. <laughs> I mean, if they had, if they had CNN news to, in Elisha's day, every time he turned on, they'd be talking about how sorry Elisha was because all these miracles he's doing. And so all the armies gather around, and they come for one reason, and that's to kill Elisha. I'm going to tell you something. There's people in this country that would kill our president if they could. And there's people in different parts of the world that would kill our president if they could. And you may not like our president. That's all right. Everybody's got a right to be wrong. Uh, I respect your right to be wrong. But the reason I like him is not because he's perfect. I like him because he's not afraid to bring a prisoner up on stage in one of his rallies and say, this man was in sin, but in the prison he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and he changed, and he changed his life. Come on. I got to respect somebody that'll go and stand up to a North Korean and say, hey, we're we going to come up, and if you, you either destroy the bombs, we're going to come destroy the bombs for you. One way or the other, it's going to happen. 
And, and Elisha was a man a lot like that. And all the armies compassed the city, and he sent his servant out, and he said, go out, and, and the servant came back in. He said, oh, my God. He said, they're all around the mountains. He said, they're just, they're just everywhere. And so Elisha walks out, and he looks around, and he, he says, well, you know something? Those that are with us are more than with them. Okay, would you help me here? What did the servant say? I said, did, <laughs> she's already with me. What did the servant say? Say what? But he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than be with them. And now watch this next verse here. And Elisha prayed and said, and here's what I want to pray over every one of us today. I pray, Lord, open his eyes. Let me tell you, I walked out this door this morning, up the side of this building, and I, and, 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 and Pastor already sees a, an addition onto this church for education for children and youth. He already sees it. He's showing me where things are going to be and where the walls are. So he already sees it even though it's not there. And Elisha saw what his servant couldn't see. But I pray this morning that when you walk out that door to get in your car, you'll see what pastor saw and what pastor sees. He sees it so clearly, he told the architect, and he drew it out for him, you see. I've been coming to this church for years. I remember being in the old building up there, and one Sunday when, when the building, you know, had the, the, the construction had to stop because we run out of money for this building that we're in right now. But that morning, God broke through, and the building started again, and this building was completed. And that's why we're here this morning, because somebody could see what nobody else could see. Did you know there's a world more real than the world we're in? Did you know if, if you could open your eyes for a moment, there may be an angel. And I, I, I venture to say after the praise and worship, it says angels encamp round about them that, that love the Lord and worship. I, I believe angels came in here this morning as we was worshiping God and, and they sat down in the seat right beside you. And if you could open your eyes for a moment, you could see angels encamp round about the saints of God that are in this house today. Are you still with me? Oh, God, open our eyes. Pray right now. God, open my eyes that I might see what you see. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I like this. And the Lord opened his eyes. And, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. That's faith. I said, that's faith. Now, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Say, what? Can you imagine when God got in a bush and talked to Moses? He was a sheep herder on the backside of the desert he was running from Pharaoh because he was a murderer for 40 years and all of a sudden a bush burns and the bush says, take off your shoes. Say what? 
And then the bush says, I want you to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh after 430 years of bondage to let my people go. Say, what? He said, take that stick and throw it down, that staff. He threw it down. It turned into a snake. And then he said, pick it up by the tail. Say, what? <laughs> Any good old country boy knows that you don't pick a snake up, you don't pick a snake up, period. There ain't but one good snake that I know of, and it's a dead one. Amen? And people say, well, it's not poisonous. I don't care. I don't check its credentials. I don't examine its DNA. If it comes in my yard, it's trespassing, and it's dead. He picked that snake up. It turned back into a rock. You know the story how he goes and he leads them out and Pharaoh's pursuing him. He gets to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's breathing down his neck and God says, stand still. Now, who can stand still in a moment like this? They about to kill you and the Lord just said, now just be still a moment. Say what? He said, just stretch that rod out. You see, and, and I'm trying to, to you know, help you understand that everybody that's ever done anything great for God, they had to see beyond the natural. And sometimes when you see what other people don't see, people that can't see what you see think you're crazy. Am I right? And the, and the worst one's your relatives. I remember telling my relatives that God was going to put me on television around the world. And they said, the only way you'll ever be on television is on the America's Most Wanted. But God saw it, and I saw it. And you see what I'm saying? And, and, and if you go, and, and you go all through, and we don't have time to go into everything, but just think of a few things through Scripture that God has said that must have made people say, say, what? Now, Daniel, now I'm going to let them go ahead and put you over here in the lion's den, but don't worry about it. <laughs> it's going to be all right. And to the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, now I'm going to let them heat the furnace up seven times hotter, and they're going to tie you up, and they're going to throw you in there. But don't worry about it. That stuff will keep you up at night right there. You know, that's like being on an airplane. I fly all the time. And if you've ever been on an airplane, you know they come on and the little flight attendant and she'll say, now in case of an emergency, there's going to be this thing and she's got this plastic cup. It's going to come down out of the ceiling. Make sure you put yours on first. Well, that's a, that's a given right there. You know. You know what I'm saying? Say what? And and, and, you, and I always sit in the exit row unless I got first class. And they said, now, are you able to assist somebody? I said, if they can beat me out the door, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest with you, you know. And, 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 and God's like that. God has a sense of humor. He, in, in, in that 11th chapter of Hebrews, when we had time, we'd go into it. Uh, I think it's around the 7th verse. He comes and tells a man by the name of Noah to build a boat. And it ain't never rained. 
And then he said, it's going to rain. No, what's rain? I've never seen rain. Yeah, here's what's going to happen. I want you to build this boat, and then I'm going to speak to animals, and, and, and they're all going to come into the boat. And, and <laughs> If that worked, I'd be a deer slayer because I sit in a deer stand a lot of times and command them deers to come by the stand, and they never come by. But look at there. He said, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Get a hold of that. There's things that you had not seen yet. Well, Brother Payne, I'm old, but you ain't dead. Come on. And if you got eye problems, we got optometrists right over here to fix you up. Ain't that right? Hey, man, you fix, right up, fix them right up. You see, as things not seen as yet. You know, where we need to get to, John 10 and verse 5 Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. The message Bible said, they'll run from the voice of the stranger. But God speaks to us all the time, and, and, and we like to, well, I don't know if that's God, and, and I don't know if God said this. And Listen, God has already spoke to somebody else while you're trying to figure it out. If you don't build on to this church and prepare for the people coming, God will go down the street and raise up some other church and they'll build on and they'll get the harvest that God prophesied you to have. And not only that, why does God do that? Uh, I tell you, the reason God causes churches to grow and to give is because if you don't sow into something, you're not going to reap what God wants you to have. And God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. So he'll create a need for you to sow a seed so he can bring a harvest so that you can sow a seed so you can get a harvest so you can sow a seed so you can get a harvest. My God, somebody help me preach it in his house this morning. I'm telling you, don't be moved by what you see. God recently said to me, he said, tell my people to stop looking at their resources and start looking at their source. See, God will seldom speak to you to give something you can afford. And he'll seldom speak to you to give when everything's going great. You ever notice that? Recently, I met the world's worst waitress at the Cracker Barrel. She brought my sandwich with her thumb up on the top of it. And when I asked her about it, she said, I didn't want to drop it again. It started when I sat down. She said, do you want a menu? I said, no, just let me guess what you got. She was rude. She didn't want to be there, and she didn't want me to be there. But I don't care how bad you are. I'm a Christian. I'm on television. People recognize me, so I can't treat you like I want to. I give 20% regardless of how bad it is because I'm a Christian. And I tipped her 20% and I'm talking to the Lord as I go out the door and I'm telling the Lord about it. Lord, did you, she is the, and, you know, and just, and he spoke to me just as real as I'm talking to you. Here's what he said. I want you to go back in there and give her $100. 
Help me. Help me. Say, what? I get a $100 bill and I go back in there and I call her over and I say, listen, I'm out going out the door and the Lord spoke to me and told me to come and give you this. And she began to cry. She said, I'm a single parent. I've got two kids and I work two jobs. And she said, I've been worried all day long about where I'm going to get the money to buy gas to come to work next week. She said, my tips hadn't been great. I said, I can help you with that. You don't need a prophet to know why that's the way it is. Then I said, do you know the Lord? She said, no, sir, I don't. I said, you ever been a Christian? No, sir, I haven't. I said, well, first of all, we're going to get you saved. And I went through the Roman road of salvation. And right in the middle of Cracker Barrel, I took her hand and I pray out loud. And I prayed her through the old time Holy Ghost salvation right there. And I left her weeping with a $100 bill in her hand, knowing that God was still God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll be sensitive to the voice of God, God will use you, amen, in ways that you never thought he would use you. Come on, you're the key to somebody's salvation. You're the key to somebody's victory. You're the key to somebody's marriage getting healed. You're the key to somebody's financial breakthrough. God is trying to talk to you. All the time it won't make sense. What God, faith don't make sense. That's what's wrong with the church. They're trying to make sense out of stuff. And that's what's wrong with, with politics. They're trying to make sense out of the president. He don't make sense. You don't know what he's going to do. I, I, I sleep good at night knowing that our president's crazier than anybody in the world. Ain't nobody in any Russia, China, nobody in the whole world, including, including North Korea, has got a president crazy as our president. Come on. But I do believe that he has been ordained for this time because if there is no way, he'd already be dead. He'd already be out of office if this spirit that operates in America trying to take this nation away from God had its way. We wouldn't even be in this church this morning. Are you still here? Come on. I said, are you still here? But he hears from God. I believe that with all my heart. And just like God protected Elisha, God's protection has to be around this person. For this time, God is trying to bring this country back to God because he knows we're the only friend that Israel has. We're the only one that's going to watch out for his country. Oh, come on, church. Don't get political on me right now. Come on. I'm talking about what it means to be a Christian. The Bible said that Moses decided in Hebrews 11, he decided not to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he saw him that was invisible. When you see the Lord high and lifted up, when his train fills the temple, when you have an encounter with the glory of God, you're never the same after an encounter. An encounter will do what 10 years of Bible college won't do for your life. I'm telling you, when you come face to face with the one that created everything in this universe, it'll change you forever. I had an encounter in a hospital room with a Savior that delivered me and set me free. 
I'm not talking about going to church or joining the church or having religion. I'm talking about an encounter with God. Y'all feel the Holy Ghost like I do. I've been trying to get back to the platform, but I just feel the Holy Ghost. I just stay down here. I preach good without notes. Praise God. Hallelujah. We got to quit being moved by what we see. Quit being moved by what you see. One day God comes to a man by the name of Abram in the, in the 12th chapter of Genesis, and he says, now here, uh, I want you to come follow me. Well, who are we going? Well, I'll tell you when we get there. There's not a pastor or a church board or a psychologist that would have encouraged Abraham to do what he was going to do. Because people today have to have guarantees. Have you ever just been on an adventure where you didn't know where you was going? I've been on many of them before I got GPS. <laughs> I was on one in Topeka, Kansas one time. There was a church off the side of the interstate. And I could see it, but I couldn't get to it. And I just drive by it and drive back and drive by and drive back. People going in. I got to preach and I just see it, but I can't get to it. It was an adventure. I remember it. See, I don't remember all the places that I went directly to, but I can remember every adventure that I've ever been on. And God took Abraham, Abram at that time, on an adventure. And he said, I'm going to give you a son when he's 75 years old and his wife was 65 and his body's dead. And then he, 25 years passes and he's 99, his wife's 89 and God said, yeah, it's going to be this year. Say, what? Have you seen Sarah? <laughs> Have you seen Sarah? If you hadn't, look at me, I'm 99. You ever seen a 99-year-old man? I saw one at the rest home, naked. I never forget that long as I live. There's some things you can't forget. He was so wrinkled, he looked like he needed to be ironed. And he walked like this. Well, Brother Payne, 99 then, wasn't like 99 today. Then why did the Bible say that, that uh, Abraham's uh, body was dead and Sarah's womb was dead? And Say what? Can God give a 99-year-old man, an 89-year-old woman a baby? I'll tell you what he did. He gave Abraham seed that he wasn't able to produce himself because he gives seed to the sower. And then he caused the womb to receive the seed and bring forth multiplication. And out of him came a nation, and out of that nation came a Messiah. And out of that Messiah came a church. Say what? Say what? Two or three more scriptures and I'm finished. Second Corinthians 4.18, it says, Why we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For things which are seen, they are temporary or temporal. Things which are not seen, they are eternal. But 
in this 21st century, seeker-friendly, uh, half-backslid, dead, dry, lifeless, lazy, lukewarm, narrow-minded religious group that chant dead creeds around burnout altar fires and their weekend warriors with styrofoam swords. <laughs> it's, well, you know, I don't believe nothing I can't see. Well, can you see them television channels or television signals that come through your living room? They're there. Turn that tele- television on, they come down in there and come out. You don't think folks are real in there, do you? I have to clarify that, Scott. I preach in some places where I, I wonder. You know, I had a man walk up to me in Louisiana and say, I can't believe you don't recognize me. I say, why? He said, I watch you on television all the time. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> There's a lot of invisible things in this world that you can't see, but they're real. The moment you do something in the natural that you can see, God starts doing something in the supernatural that you can't see. Before Moses left Egypt, God had assigned angels to take the wheels off of Pharaoh's chariots at the Red Sea. If if you don't feel God this morning and you wonder if God even cares, I'm going to tell you where he is. He's right up above. He's right ahead of you preparing your next breakthrough, preparing your next miracle, preparing your next outpouring. He's right up there, just right ahead of you preparing it right now. You ought to praise him for what's just ahead. You ought to praise him for what's in, in your future and not what you're experiencing right now. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. These scriptures are all familiar to us, but they become so familiar to the word of faith church that we just don't even believe them anymore. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5. For we walk by sight, not by faith. I'm just reading it like it is, not like it's written. (laughs) You be honest with me. Most of the time, you don't give what God tells you to give. You give what your checkbook says you can give. And your bills and your credit cards dictate that you can give. People are looking down at the floor right now. People don't tithe because the Word tells them to. They just don't tithe and they say it was under the law and that's an excuse for them to be in rebellion. And everybody in this church was like you, wouldn't be no church. You're enjoying air conditioning that some tither paid for, a chair that some tither paid for, and a church that some tither paid for, and you're a freeloader. <laughs> say what? Yeah, that's what I said. I'll say it again. You're a freeloader, but God loves you anyway, but he don't want you to be stupid any longer. He wants you to wake up and realize that your tithe opens the windows of heaven and allows him to pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. When when he's talking to you about a seed, he's got a harvest on his mind. When he's telling you to give something you can't afford, it's because he wants to give you something you've never had. Amen. If If you keep sowing what you don't need, you'll keep reaping what you can't use. You know, when my wife passed away five years ago, She's been here at this church with me. Most, some of you that were here know her. She was an angel, man. I, I enjoyed her for 49, 
or for 47 years as my wife. We were prayer partners. She worked with me in the ministry. Godliest Christian I ever knew in my life. And when the Lord took her to heaven, I didn't want to go on. All I saw was the empty house. All I saw was an old man having to live the rest of his life by himself. You know? I, I, I couldn't see what God was going to do in the future. I just wanted to give up. I sat around and cried and and and, and told, told the Lord, you know, uh, uh, how I just wanted to quit and give up. And, and then the devil said, well, if you'd had faith, she wouldn't have died. You know, the devil is not your friend. John 8, 44 said he's a liar. There ain't nobody had no more faith than I did. I fasted. I prayed. I did everything I knew to do to keep her here. And the Lord said, her mission's complete and yours is not. I'm taking her to heaven. Nothing you can do about it. I don't understand that, but I accept that. And, and shortly after, two weeks after she passed away, I'm back in the pulpit preaching and hundreds are getting saved. I go back to the motel and cry myself to sleep while everybody else is getting miracles. But I'm not moved by what I see. I'm walking by faith. I'm doing what God called me to do. Because on that deathbed, my wife looked up at me and she said, James, I'm going to heaven, but will you promise me that you'll preach the gospel with every breath in your body till the last day that you're on this earth? Will you promise me that you'll get as many people saved as you can? I said, yes, I promise you that. Last year we had 1,039,650 people saved because I didn't quit and I didn't give up and I wouldn't move by what I saw or what I felt. I was moved by what God said. And I'm going to show you a short video of just one church that we've built in her honor, and we're building uh, 12 churches in her honor in India because we've been working in India for years with a mission work there. We've got an orphanage there with 1,000 kids that we help feed every month. Uh, last year, we bought them a herd of cows so that the kids would have fresh milk. We've helped build 151 churches in Nairobi, Kenya, two medical centers and an orphanage. I'm helping feed 1,000 kids in the Philippines every month so they can go to school. You know what I said when the Lord told me to do all that? <laughs> Say what? Lord, I'm old enough to retire. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really sad that your body gets old, but your mind don't. And I still think I could do everything that I used to do, and I'm wrong. It takes me a couple of days to recuperate from every trip that I go on, but I'm going all over the world. And, and I just want to show you a short video before Pastor comes this morning and before we go any farther in the service. The Lord told me to, to build some churches, and so we found a a, a city, can you believe this? We found a city that didn't have a church. And I want to show you the results. Uh, if they'll play that video, I want to show you the results of not quitting, not being moved by what you see, but just hearing God's voice and going on with God and doing what God tells you to do. Go ahead and play that video if you would. This is our missionaries, third generation. from 
Christ for India. I'm standing here on the main training campus, and I want to give a special greeting to Dr. James Payne, Lori, Pastor Mark, and Stephanie. We love you. We thank you for your prayers and your support on behalf of the ministry and the Titus family. I just want to give you an update on the projects that we've been working on. One is a new church in the state of Chhattisgarh in North India, in the, in the city of Jaglapur, in a village remotely outside. It is in a tribal area. It has no other churches have been planted in this particular region. And we have a pioneer work there. And we just built a place of worship for all the new believers to come to. It is a beautiful place of worship and we did our ribbon cutting and we did an opening prayer so that people could actually use the building. And I pray that you uh, would be able to come in the near future and we could actually do the uh, dedication officially with the ribbon cutting and the plaque. And this is made in honor of Sister Ruby and it will be called Ruby's House. The second project that we're working on is in the same state, in the same area, or a little different village, and we'll be planning another church. And that church is still under construction, and it still has a little bit more to go. In the next few months, it should be finished. And again, we're going to invite you to come, uh, be here in India with us, and to be able to dedicate this in honor of Sister Ruby. We love you. We thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your support and your partnership in the projects. Thank you so much. God bless you. Come see India soon. How many of you believe that's okay? The reason, I'm saying, the reason I showed you that, when you leave today and you purchase CDs, or unless you buy CDs for prisoners, all that goes to help us put roof on this church. It'll be full, just like the other one. As soon as it's dedicated and completed, it'll be full. And whatever offering you give today to us, it's going to be a seed for a church in India, but it's going to be a seed for your addition out here. Once you sow in others, God makes happen in you. And I believe I'm here right on time, and I believe I'm here for the right reason, the right purpose. So just keep that in mind when pastor comes. But just before Pastor comes, can I have two minutes? I'm going to start right over here, and I'm going to ask you this. If Jesus were to come today or you didn't make it back to church next Sunday, are you absolutely 100% convinced that when you stand in front of Jesus, just like you're standing in front of me, that you'd be ready to meet him? See, that's the main thing when we come to church is to know that everybody is ready to meet the Lord. Jesus came in a hospital room and got me because he had a purpose for my life. That one course we sang this morning really ministered to me that he'll climb any mountain, he'll go to any distance to find somebody. See, He loves you just like you are. If you never receive Him, He loves you. But He loves you too much to leave you like you are, and that's why He came to die, so you could be free and saved. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. And then we'll hang out here after church, and if you need prayer, we'll pray with you. But I can't sit down, get in my car and drive back to Nashville today without knowing that everybody I spoke to this morning is ready to meet Jesus. 
So just by an uplifted hand, if there's one in this section, say, Brother Payne, please pray for me because I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I want to pray with you. Would you do Slip up your hand if there's one here in this section, Brother Payne. Please pray for me. All right. What about this section here? Anyone in this section, Brother Payne, please pray for me. See, you may be here and not hold up your hand or not answer the call, but I have to give the call because that's what God called me to do. I'm going to move to the next section. Anyone in this section, don't miss God. This may be your last opportunity to make this decision. Would you hold up your hand in this section? If you're one of those, Brother Payne, please pray for me. I'm not where I need to be with Jesus, but I want to be. I see your hand, sir. Is there someone else? Brother Payne, please pray for me. What about this section? Anyone in this section, please pray for me. You know, the night I came to the altar, I was the only one that came that night. But because I came, hundreds of thousands have come. I'm going to pray right now. Would you pray with me? Some people are here, and I know by the Holy Spirit. I could come and put my finger on you. I know by the Holy Spirit that you're not ready. I just want to pray you'll get ready that you won't miss your opportunity. God loves you, and I love you, and this church loves you. Lord, I just thank you for the word this morning. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I know. And I know that you died for every person in this building. I know that your blood shed and that you cleanse everyone from every sin. And I just pray now, Lord, for those that did not raise their hand, that somewhere they'll find the courage, maybe before they leave the building today, they'll find the courage to pray and to ask you to be part of their life. I thank you for this man that did raise his hand, Lord, that today his life changes forever. That you, by the Holy Spirit, bring him into total deliverance in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask you that as the reapers are in the field this fall, that you give Legacy Church a harvest of souls a harvest of families coming to God, and a harvest of finance to to prepare for the future. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.